Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and today we're going to answer some questions from the mailbag. We have uh, several in the mix here, and to be honest with you, I think I actually get behind on these pretty, pretty significantly. Emails just really bury me. I go certain weeks where I'm kind of on top of it. Honestly, my my weeks where I have high productivity, basically I, I don't do much with email. And then when I'm on top of email, I usually don't get a ton done. So I kind of go back and forth because I'm not 100% productive all the time. I'm just a regular old human being. And uh, the other thing is uh, sometimes I do need to catch up on the emails. I do try to make sure I don't get too far behind on the important ones. For example, over the last few weeks, I've been exchanging a lot of emails with lenders and my real estate agent and other things related to buying a home. Those are pretty important and I don't want to like get too far behind on them. So anyway, emails are rough and I was like, oh, you know what? Uh, let me take a look. And oh, yeah, there's a ton of ideas. There's a ton of questions. Sometimes I just take like one question and make a whole episode out of it. And then other times like today, I'm going to answer several of them. I am going to be clicking back and forth. I'm going to try not to make too much noise with the the mouse and trackpad. But uh, I have my content management system over on Trello. Well, basically, it's like a content calendar in different various stages of like show ideas and if they're recorded and, and show notes and stuff like that. So I work in there. And then my one of my assistants, she helps me out with um, cre- creating the actual like podcast show notes and publishing the podcast and some of the, I would say, more administrative things that I don't really need to be involved in. And she's better at some of those detail-oriented areas anyway. So (laughs) basically, I'll be clicking back and forth from this uh, Trello card over to my email just so I can go through the list of questions. So if you do have questions and you want to be featured sometime in a future episode, you can shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show, or you can actually leave a voicemail The email address and the phone number are both in the show notes. So if you're listening online or if you're using a podcast directory or listening app of some kind of nature, is that I kind of trailed off there. Not sure how I was going to end that sentence, but basically if you check the show notes, you could find both of those and contact me. I basically have played all the voicemails um, at some point in time. I think I'm a little bit behind on one. So there's a person who sent one not too long ago, and I need to get it in the mix here, and I will probably save it for a future episode. With that said, I know some of the topics we're going to cover today are the keyword golden ratio and some of the specifics on the results that you may see. We're going to look at guest posting opportunities and finding guest opportunities guest posting opportunities. And then we'll also talk about, I think, um, well, what was the other topic? Oh, just if you're getting traffic on a couple articles, but you're not getting traffic on any of your other content and maybe what you should do. So those are a few of the topics we'll get into. And then I forget the other ones, to be honest with you. So when we get to them, that's when I'll tell you about them. If you're brand new to the show, Thank you for listening. I encourage you to, you know, check out this episode since you're already listening to it. Listen to some of the other episodes, particularly the success stories. Those are the most popular. I get emails every single day, literally saying, 
the success stories are my favorite. It keeps me inspired when I'm going to my day job and I'm not sure if my side hustle is going to work out and hearing other people that have done it that are just, you know, two months ahead of me, three weeks ahead of me, two years ahead of me or whatever is really inspiring and just hearing people progress. So do check out some of those success stories and I appreciate it if you subscribe. It would be awesome. Okay. First question. I'm going to try and read this. Hi, Doug. Leaving the content you put on your... Oh, all right. Let's try again. I'm going to try and read this. This is from Brandon. All right. I love the content you put out on the blog and podcast. Quick question about the keyword golden ratio and the research method around it. I'm finding a lot of long tail keywords that have a search volume below 250 and a number of them. Some of these questions are just phrased a little bit... uh, strangely. So it's hard for me to read them. And then I end up getting halfway through a sentence and realize that there's actually a lot of um, grammar issues in it. So with that said, this person is doing an all entitled search and they find a bunch of results that are counting in the all entitled results. However, they seem to be spam. So the person is saying, should I include any spammy results in the all entitled? So another way to say it is they've, they've, use the KGR method, but they think a lot of the results are really not worth counting because they're just pure garbage, i.e. spammy. So the answer generally is going to be no, you don't really need to count those. I think if you are detecting that in most of the keywords in your niche, then that could be a little suspect. Like maybe there's a lot of spam around that particular niche or those products or something. And that could indicate Maybe there's a lot of spam activity, a lot of gray hat activity where people are literally like trying to like do negative SEO on other sites. So I would potentially look out for that. But if you see like very, very poor quality results, clearly like spam or gibberish or something like that, maybe like an automated like content website sort of thing where it's just sort of putting together words that don't make sense. That is something you probably don't need to count. Now, I I can't comment uh, like too specifically because I don't know any of the results. But basically, I think if you you find that a bunch, maybe question it. Um, But if you just see it for like the couple keywords, then that's probably okay. And you could probably omit the ones that are pure garbage. So thanks, Brandon, for sending in that question. And maybe the grammar was totally fine and I just butchered it. So apologies if I uh, if I called you out for poor grammar, but it was really my fault. Okay, next question. Are there any updated best practices for finding guest post opportunities on my own other than the quote, write for us, Google searches, and I wonder if Google discounts uh, guest posts that are on sites that clearly ask for and publish guest posts and would prefer something more organic. So before I answer that question, I I realized that I just answered a question about the keyword golden ratio, but if you're 100% unfamiliar with the keyword golden ratio, that probably didn't make much sense. So the keyword golden ratio or KGR is a data-driven way to find keywords that are generally underserved on the internet. You use an advanced search command on Google called All in Title, and it's much easier to see this play out in video. So I encourage you to go to YouTube, search for keyword golden ratio, 
find my channel and you can see me explain it, show a little demo. And there's actually probably, you know, 57 videos of me talking about the keyword golden ratio in some fashion. You can learn all about it. So just check it out on YouTube. So back to the other question about guest posting. Basically, I've been saying for years that if you're using the same searches that everyone else is using, like right for us to find guest posting opportunities, or if you're searching for guest posting, like guidelines and stuff, that's like the most crowded channel. I encourage you not to go that route. That is a dumb way to do it. That is what people were teaching, you know, six years ago when I first got started with SEO and it's been used and restated and abused. And, and by the way, the person that asked this question, I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm just saying it's a dumb way for people to like find opportunities. It's just spam to death. And if you do find yourself in a position where you email them and they do let you guest post, yes, you're 100% right. It is probably not as valuable because there are so many other people that have used that same exact like search string to find the opportunity. So there's a good chance it's a bit abused. You probably can find some good opportunities by doing that, but there's a lot more um, garbage you'll have to sort through. And just in general, my, my money would be on that not being a great opportunity. A better way to do it, and, and by the way, uh, I've replied back to this person via email and said, basically, go watch my videos on guest posting or go to Niche Site Project, my blog, look up my guest posting like case studies and you'll see like several other ways to find it. The, I mean, the not so secret thing is the best opportunities that you're going to find are through like building relationships and networking and taking the time to search out a good fit, getting to know that person or blogger or podcaster or whoever it is, getting to know them a little bit maybe helping them out a little bit and then you'll find getting a guest post, getting a link is going to be way easier. If you're just going out there and sending out a shitload of emails, like a lot of other people teach, you're just like making the internet a shitty place because you're spamming people saying, Hey, dear editor, I think your fill in blog here is really good. And I read this article and I think you're doing a great job. Can you put a link in for me? And I just mark those as spam these days. I get like five a day. A lot of them do go to spam and I hope a lot of other people are marking them as spam as well. In fact, maybe we can create a movement here where if you get these shitty emails, just mark them as spam. Um, occasionally I'll reply back just to uh, see what they say. <laughs> if I say, sure, that sounds good. Write that article. So anyway... Uh, maybe I'm a little jaded. I'm not sure, but uh, don't look for right for us pages. That's not a good way to find opportunities anymore. It was about five years ago. Richard has this question. I have some questions about the all in title search. I see some interesting things when I look at the results of an all in title. For many of the searches, half or more of the results will be Pinterest pages. For buyer intent keywords, a lot more of the searches will be product pages at an online shop rather than articles? Do I ignore Pinterest URLs or product pages when I get the all-in-title results for the KGR? The answer is no, I don't ignore them. Another question is, when you page through the all-in-title results, Google will often truncate the results, saying that similar 
entries are omitted. A random example is um, all entitled best something something for blah, blah, blah. He put in a real example, but I'll skip it here just in case it happens to be somebody's niche. Um, and it says page one, on the first page, it says there's 95 results. On page three, it says results after 21 or are, are omitted. Do I take into account the similar results for KGR? Okay. The answer is no. I just look at whatever is at the top of the first page there, and then I move on. Let me go back and just kind of pepper in some details that I think about when when I'm looking at the results. So Richard Richard said, hey, there's a bunch of Pinterest, there's a bunch of product pages. And in my opinion, I mean, those have all, all the words in the title. That is potential competition. So I would count those. That's that said, I would maybe look at the overall results and think, hey, this is a good piece of content. I'm going to try and publish it anyway, even if maybe it's not KGR compliant. Just want to emphasize, I am not dogmatic on KGR. Some people say, hey, you know what? It's an interesting idea, but I think it's horseshit. That's fine. I'm not trying to convince anybody it's the greatest thing in the world. It's a great technique to you know, look at, see if you want to use it. And at this point, there's so many people that have had good results with a keyword golden ratio. I'm pretty confident that it works. So you can sort of adapt it and you don't have to publish all your content as KGR compliant. I've never said that. I've never, I've never even suggested it. So I think maybe some people got that impression and then other people talked about it. And then it has this life of its own at this point. But um, yeah, you can you can kind of adapt it if you need to. And if you want to ignore the Pinterest results or product pages, you can. If you want to count them, you can. I count them. You know, I, I would count those. Going deeper into the truncated results. So Richard was like, hey, the first page says one thing. And then I go through the other pages. It says something else. So I basically have like my results set for a hundred. Um, yeah, I have a hundred results shown on one page. So I don't have to scroll around too much. The default is like 10 results on the, on each page of the uh, results, the search results. So basically a lot, I've heard this a lot, by the way, where people will, they'll get the number, right. And then they'll keep looking through other results and then they'll put quotes and basically they're changing what their what my instructions are for the KGR and doing something different. I don't think it's bad to look through the pages of the results or anything like that, but I've just never done it. In fact, I'm not sure why people are going through all the results and then seeing different numbers. And then they're like, oh, I have no idea what to do. I, I don't even look at the other pages. I just check it the one time and move on. That also brings up another point where people will search and get the KGR value. They'll find the all entitled results and then they'll check like five more times, right? They check multiple times and they get different answers sometimes. I've heard that is a thing that happens. I haven't observed it too much on my own. However, I think Maybe 1% of the time I've seen that, like super low. I know that it's happened, but I'm not very aware of it. I think part of it has to do with the geography. And I think even if you're in the same country, right? So even if you're like somewhere in the US and then you travel 
to some other state. I think that sometimes could could vary it up. I'm not 100% sure why. I have not investigated it. When I heard, you know, some people mention it, it was only a handful and I think some people do see it. That said, I didn't I never went back to check, so I would just get the value the one time and then publish content on it or not and then just keep going. So I really wasn't like second guessing or trying to be exact or accurate, right? I, I think it it's important to run the numbers and do the research and blah, blah, blah. But I'm not sure why people were going back and checking multiple, even like three, like I said, three, four or five times where they were like getting different values. Maybe they get two or three different values when they check it four or five times. Maybe they're just double checking. I'm really not sure, but I, I never did that and I still don't do it. Usually I just see that number at the very top, write it down in my spreadsheet and then move on. As I was sitting here thinking, hey, what question am I going to do next? I realized I would be an idiot if I didn't play the voicemail from Pierre. Pierre's the person that left that recent voicemail. And I was like, well, it'll just take me one second to download it. And Pierre is a friend of the show, left a few questions before. So I appreciate the support, of course. And let's roll that voicemail now. Hey, Doug, my name is Pierre and I'm from Montreal, Canada. And I have a question for you. Uh, I bought an HPD site last July, and the site had uh, nine articles when I bought it. One of the article title is something like this, Best Ballpoint Pen for 2019. My question is, what should I do with the 2019 part? Can I just remove it from the title? And if I do that, will it have a negative impact on that post ranking in Google? Thank you so much for uh, your time, Doug, and have a good day. By the way, I love the podcast. Bye-bye. Thanks, Pierre. Really appreciate the uh, support and uh, the good question here. So number one, HPD is a human proof designs or a friend of the show. I've been on their podcast. They've been on mine and they sell pre-made sites. I'm an affiliate for them. So keep that in mind. That means if you buy through my affiliate link, then I get a commission. And if you do, it's awesome. I really appreciate it. Anyway, I hope that Pierre bought something through my link, but if not, I'll still answer your question. Here it goes. Basically, the title of the article had the year in there. And this is a technique that some people use. Sometimes they try to, you know, maybe create a page that says Black Friday deals 2020, and they create it early in the year to maybe get, get some ranking boost relevant because it's the current year, you know, that sort of thing. And I mean, it can work a little bit. So number one, Pierre, I think you should change the title. And usually I don't use that technique myself because I don't want to have to go through and change the title. That said, there are like SEO tools. I think um, some of the popular SEO plugins for WordPress will allow you to use a wildcard that'll put in the current year or whatever math you want to put in there. Sure. I'm sure you could do like current year plus two or current year minus one or whatever you wanted to do probably, or you could code it. I mean, that's kind of a a thing that would be fairly straightforward, I suspect, but I, I don't put years in the title because of this, this thing, right? You're asking, um, will it impact rankings? It might. I think now at this point in time, 
that we've moved on to another year and it's 2020. I would hope that a post with a title of 2020 versus 2019 or 18 or anything that's not the current year, I hope the current year is going to do better. And I hope that the, the people that are searching for it are trying to find the most current information, not the information from last year, unless they have some sort of specific reason to look for information from last year. So I don't know if it'll impact the rankings. Hopefully it'll imp- improve the rankings, but there is a chance that the rankings could go down from changing it, but I wouldn't worry about it. I would want to have like more accurate information. I would want to have more evergreen type information versus something with a title in there that maybe is the previous year. You don't want to have that, especially as it gets later into the year. So that's my take. Other people may have different opinions, but that's, that's what I would do. Next question coming up here from Chad. Appreciate the support. Again, you know what? I'll stop saying it because that's like a broken record, but I do. I do appreciate it. So Chad says this, I've been a listener for a while and I want to say thanks for delivering great content. You're welcome. I built a few niche sites. One got to 3,500 a month in 2014 and it was hit in 2016 by an algorithm update, even though it was very white hat. And Chad has tried Fulfilled by Amazon, that's Amazon FBA, and some other new sites, and they may be on to something with uh, new sites. So Chad's eager to learn some of the current things that are going on. And I'm going to skip ahead. He put some other like nice um, comments in here, but I'm going to skip ahead to some of the questions, even though I honestly don't have any solid answers to like share. So number one, Chad is using a theme that I have mentioned and, and recommended. It's called Rehub. I don't use it a ton myself, but it's one that I've seen very good things from students of mine. And it happens to be one of the themes that is recommended and literally mentioned on the Amazon Associates um, program like website. So it has the basically the endorsement of Amazon Associates. So that's pretty good. And when I saw that. And when I saw people using it effectively, I was like, I, I need to mention it here. So Rehub is a is a great theme to use and they keep it up to date. It's a premium theme. So it's, it's something you have to pay for. And Chad is using an add-on called Content Egg. And someone has mentioned that um, somewhere, I think in a podcast and probably on YouTube. And Chad is mentioning that Content Egg seems like it's not documented very well and it's fairly limited with a free version. And basically, um, <laughs> it's it's badly documented, so he's asking for resources. And my answer is, I've never used Content Egg. I've heard people use it um, and I've heard people say that it's helped their site, it's helped conversions for various reasons and I have no association, association with Rehub or with Content Egg, and I have not used Content Egg at all, so I have no tutorials. There's probably an opportunity out there if someone actually knows how to use it. You probably could create videos and get some decent referral traffic and um, affiliate revenue from it, but I have low interest in doing that, but it's probably a good route, so I have no clue. And further, 
Uh, the other part is actually a question that I moved somewhere else. So Chad is actually the person who asked about finding the guest post opportunities and you could refer back to the question that I answered before. I didn't even realize that I separated those questions, but there you have it. The next email is not actually a question, but I just want to, it's not really venting. I don't want to complain on here, but it's very interesting. So I have a, this podcast, right? It's fairly modest, I think. I mean, I get some downloads, but it's nothing huge. I don't have like sponsors knocking down my door, nor do I necessarily want sponsors. I kind of like to just kind of do my own thing, but sponsors, if you're out there, you know, and you want to write me a check, let me know. Anyway, if you end up starting a podcast and you have like any sort of a following, you'll start getting pitches all over the place. So number one is from just people trying to get on podcasts to leverage your audience, right? They're basically trying to use you. I got one of these emails. I'm going to tell you about it in a second. And then the other thing is there's a service business that sprang up around podcasting so that people that want to be on podcast can just hire a company and then the company will go out and reach out to all these different podcast hosts and see if they'll talk to whoever paid them the money, right? Basically, it ends up being like a spammy situation. I'm not sure if there's some good ones on there or some bad ones. I think one person I actually interviewed and I I chatted with them and they were like, yeah, it seems to be okay. They hooked me up with a couple, but really like, I'm not sure if it was worth it. I talked to another person who paid something like 5,000 bucks. And I think they got on a, a handful of podcasts, but basically nothing converted well. Like whatever shows they were on, the audience didn't give a shit about them at all. So it was like 5K down the drain. They were doing a big sort of like marketing push to get out in front of different audiences. And what I've found is um, it's like through the relationship. So like I said, the guest posting stuff earlier is like, it's all about networking, meeting people, like actually making a connection versus like sending out an email like the one I just got here. I won't mention the person's name because they could be, they could be awesome, you know, they could be awesome, but they try and hook you. And uh, as a student of copywriting and maybe a jaded person, I don't know how jaded I am, but anyway, they say, Hey, Doug, awesome podcast. I'm sure you get a ton of requests to come on your show, so I'll share why this one is unique and keep it short. I started off door knocking and built my company to $100,000 a day with over a million customers a year, and you could learn more about me at this place. Please let me know if we can make this happen. Either way, thanks for considering me. This person sounds like they're incredibly rich, maybe powerful, and maybe I should try to have them on the show. But really, I don't know. It seems weird. They're like, hey, I started from um, knocking on doors to $100,000 a day. They jumped over like a few pieces of the like courtship here. And I'm just like, I don't know. That sounds pretty sleazy to me. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. They could be 100% legit. But I don't know. Just it feels funny to me. feels a little bit funny to me. I am not sure. I'm not sure what's going on. And then the other thing is I um, I have people on the show who 
are like at the beginning of their journey. I think those are super interesting conversations versus someone like, I'm not sure what this person's motivation is. I don't know why, like they're just trying to get in front of my audience or they're trying to sell something. Like if they are that badass, why the fuck they would, why do they want to talk to me? It makes, I can't connect the dots. I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I feel like they're just about ready to use me for something. I just don't know what it is yet. And I'm in the for, fortunate position where if if it looks like you're about to ask me to do some work um, for free and it's work that I don't want to do, I'm probably just going to like forego it. So they did have a nice uh, like outro here. Let me know if we could make it happen. Either way, thanks for considering me. So they weren't pushy or anything like that. It was a short pitch, which I appreciate. I have seen pitches that were, uh, it was a cold pitch and it was like, I don't know, two and a half pages long. I mean, we're talking like a thousand words and I'm like, you got to tighten this up, man. This is way, way too long for an actual pitch to a busy person who probably gets a lot of emails. So anyway, just an observation. I get a lot of emails like this and I am shocked because I have a modest yet, uh, I guess, powerful audience. I mean, you're listening to it right now. And people are very engaged and they, they dig the, the show. I get some cool emails, people getting results and all that stuff. But if you end up starting a podcast, you're going to get crazy pitches like this. Even if you have a small one like this, this modest show here. Before we get to the next question, I realized the other day that I will wash my hands before I feed my dog, which maybe that's good measure anyway, but I was like, thinking, hey, but I got to wash my hands like before I eat. That's pretty normal. I mean, I think everybody should be doing that, by the way, just on the record. But yeah, I was washing my hands before feeding the dog, which maybe that's a great thing. But at the same time, I know my dog, like she licks herself, you know, that can't be the cleanest thing in the world. And then, you know, she'll eat like random stuff. Like if we're out on a walk, if she sees anything that's like maybe a little bit edible, she'll like go ahead and just, you know, eat it. And she eats grass and just random stuff. So I don't know. Do you guys wash your hands before you feed your dog? And then I think it was just a, some sort of an OCD type habit. I'm not really sure, but I thought that was weird when I was like, I'm, I'm definitely thinking about the cleanliness for the dog. All right. Next question is from Fazan. Fazan says, Hi, Doug. I hope you're in good health and I'm stuck in a situation where I'm unable to find relevant informational keywords. I'm I'm targeting a keyword. The keyword is something like best ballpoint pen and the person can't figure out what informational kind of content or keywords to go after. And uh, basically, what do you do if you don't think there's much information? Well, the answer is you probably are not thinking about it in the right way. So just go more broad. Think about the audience in general. It might not be directly related to the specific product, but if you know that someone that's searching for ballpoint pens and they want to get a high quality ballpoint pen, they're probably interested in writing stuff. So if you think of the audience that writes, then you can probably imagine they're people who are into journaling. Maybe it's just writers in general. Maybe it's students. 
maybe it's college students or maybe it's law students or something like that. But if you kind of imagine the audience in general and what their interests are, then you should be able to like reverse engineer some informational topics. Further, you could come up with how to type articles. So how to replace the ink cartridge and ballpoint pens, how to use a ballpoint pen, 10 ways to use a ballpoint pen. I'm not really sure with the ballpoint pen, like arbitrary example, but basically if you could figure out what the audience is interested in, you should be okay. Another thing you could do is go to the library or a bookstore, find a book on the topic, and then you'll have endless ideas. If you just go to a bookstore, you could just check out a magazine, look at some of the current articles, and you'll have so many ideas to go off of. I also encourage you to check out, I guess it's a YouTube video about the research paper method and the FAQ method, where you could just get ideas on uh, various topics. And really, you just have to go and do research. So I think a lot of times people run into this issue they think that they have to write how-to articles about the specific product that they're trying to sell. You don't have to do that. People also run into issues when they're looking for guest posting opportunities and they're trying to find the specific product and a guest posting opportunity and they can't find anything because number one, it usually doesn't exist. And number two, if it does, it's your direct competitor, your literal competitor who is probably going to ignore your email and everything you're doing trying to interact with your direct competitor is a waste of time unless you've done proper networking and you're not going in asking for something. If you go in helping your competitor, you probably can work something out. If you're going in and like sharing your competitor's content, being cool in some fashion, they're probably going to work with you. And if, if you're, if you're just super narrow, if you're just looking at the specific products for either the topic area or guest posting or networking or whatever, you'll probably run into a dead end because it's just, it's too narrow if you're viewing it like that. Thanks to all the people that sent in questions. It's good to have your feedback, number one, and it's great to have like fresh ideas from the audience about things you definitely want to hear about. That said, I've published a couple episodes on personal finance and financial independence, a topic that I am super interested in. And if you have any questions about FI or some ideas around investing or anything like that, shoot me a voicemail or an email, probably an email if you want to ask uh, some sort of a question. And if you have any like guests that you want me to interview, I'll see what I can do. I think I'll be able to um, start, you know, pulling some hopefully big names in here. I'm I'm trying to uh, work my way upstream and, and talk to super interesting people. And I'm I'm fortunate that I've had you know been able to talk to Carl Jensen, Mister Fifteen Hundred, and you know he he's fairly well known. So me just being able to have his interview was a huge help. And, and thanks to Carl, if you happen to be listening to this. The other call to action that I want to give you is if you have a successful side hustle, if you have a niche site, an affiliate site, something, an e-commerce site, drop shipping, Shopify, whatever, if you have some success story to share, that is a, 
I, I made that more difficult than needed. But if you have a success story that you want to tell me about, maybe it's a good fit for the show, shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. And in the subject, you could just put like success stories. So I kind of understand like why you're sending me that email. And this is a call to action. I know I just mentioned the person who sent that email and they were like, Hey, I have like a million customers and I make $100,000 a day. There's a little bit of a disconnect there. I'm looking for different kinds of stories and I'm I'm literally asking for them. Now, whoever sent me that email, I was just like, ah, I don't know if I should trust this dude. Something seems weird. Something seems off. But if you have a legit story, I do want to hear about it. People really dig like the front side of people's journey. So, Here's one observation that I've seen. I'll have a student, they're making say $500 a month, maybe even like $1,200 a month. They're doing pretty good. Maybe they have a full-time job. They're pulling in this like pretty awesome like side hustle income. And I ask them if they would please be on the show. I would love to share their story. And they say, no, I want to wait until I'm making 5K a month. For whatever reason, they've set some sort of artificial like moment where they've made it. And maybe that's the wrong way to say it, but they've set some artificial like threshold where that's successful. And anything before that, they're like, I, I don't even want to share it. Even though I know for a fact when I was getting started, I was more interested in any story where someone was making like less than a thousand dollars per month because that seemed attainable. Really, it was the $100 or $200 per month success story that I really identified with because when I was starting at ground zero and I didn't know anything about anything and I was naive and arrogant and just didn't understand what was going on, I was like, oh, wow, like if I could make $150 per month, like that's huge. That's like part of a car payment or that's, you know, grocery money or whatever. So anyway, those early, those early days are the stories that more people want to hear about. Trust me, like guaranteed a hundred percent, even though like people, it must be pride. You know, people are like, Hey, I want to come out there and say, I'm a badass. I'm making a huge amount of money and blah, blah, blah. Um, so just keep that in mind. People want to hear about those early, early days. So, um, quick note, if the schedule holds up, how I'm planning this, uh, next several weeks to come up, um, the next show should be a, uh, very, very excellent guest, my friend, Matt Givanisi from moneylab.co. He's uh, part of a few podcasts out there and he happens to live in the general vicinity that I live and uh, we've shared some beers. We uh, did a short co-working thing. And it's it's awesome to have made Matt's acquaintance. The guy's a badass. He's been on a lot of different shows. I think he's been on the Side Hustle Nation. He's been on Niche Pursuits podcast with Spencer Hawes. So we kind of like run in the same circles. And we, we know a lot of the same people. And it wasn't until um, I moved to this Boulder County area that it like worked out that Matt and I could meet up, chat, realize we have like basically the same audiences. We do a lot of the same stuff and we come at it from different angles. So that episode um, is 121, should be coming out uh, next Monday, if I am doing my dates right. 
and um, if scheduling holds up. So 121, Matt Givanisi. I didn't know how to say his last name for uh, a very long time until I was sitting down having a beer with him. And then he spelled it out phonetically for me the way that my brain works. And um, now I can say it. I practiced it a lot. Givanisi. All right, Matt Givanisi. I want to thank you for checking out the Doug show today. We're going to cut it a little early and uh, I'm going to give you 20 minutes back so you can have a great day. Go ahead and start your weekend. And quick plug, um, so this episode is coming out on a Thursday. On Fridays, I do live streams on YouTube. So if you're primarily a listener on on the podcast, it's fantastic. Keep doing that. I love getting the listen, listens on the podcast. If you want to check out a live stream and a live session where I ramble on a little bit, it's uncut, it's unfiltered, and I, I answer live questions from the chat room. That is on Fridays. I do that at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, and I have been holding on to that schedule like pretty solid for the past several uh, several weeks. I think it's at least a couple months now. So 10 a.m. Mountain Time. If you can't catch it live, that is okay. You can still watch the replay. You could watch it at like 2x speed, little little ninja hack there. Watch it at 2x speed. You can get through all the rambling a little bit more quickly. Sometimes there's some good nuggets in there, and I talk about things going on in my current week. I answer questions. Sometimes I have a specific uh, set of topics, and I have some uh, more sophisticated live streaming software so I can actually play clips like highlight clips and highlights from interviews or just other video clips that I want to play. So the production value is a little bit higher from that standpoint. I don't have a producer though, or it's self-produced. So um, some of the you know chat room interaction is a little more clunky, I'll be honest with you, just because I'm literally looking at the chat room and reading the questions from there. So there's a little bit of uh, like mental filtering as I'm reading uh, those questions just to make sure I'm answering the right thing. So anyway, quick plug for the, the Doug Show live, the video version. And it's on YouTube. Subscribe to YouTube if you're not. There's a ton, there's a ton of content from me on YouTube. And if you only know me from the podcast, you will probably be shocked at the amount of content. I think there's like over 840 videos at this point on my YouTube channel, which just seems insane. That, that is a lot of videos. Anyhow, have a great day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode.